Welcome back. We are in the podcast town studio. I'm Tyra Marie, your host for Invisible Talks podcast. We're always bringing you something different, engaging conversations. However it flows is how we go. And the key is to remember that there are two sides to every coin. So everyone has a perspective that is tied to their experience. And that's the goal that we always want to highlight here on the podcast. And today we're going to do things, as I always say, differently. We are really honing in on the music industry. So we got Philly Flyboy in the studio. Mm. And if you don't know him, you know his work. It's Come it's on. unstoppable. It's <laughs> impossible for you not to have seen something that he's done. And it's crazy because for the longest, I didn't even know you were from Milwaukee. Yeah, the name Philly Flyboy throws everybody off. I get so many people from Philadelphia claiming me. Uh, it's my middle name. My middle name's Philip. I've been in Philly since I was a kid. So they literally, and the Flyboy part was literally my grandfather was a World War II pilot. So, wow. yeah, they called themselves Flyboys, and I always wanted to be a pilot. I just literally did flying lessons like a month ago too. So started <laughs> on that. So the Philly is the middle name. Flyboys, my my childhood dream of being a pilot. So put them together, Philly Flyboy, and much confusion right after that. <laughs> so I'm, so I'm always explaining that. But born and raised in Milwaukee. Still live here. So, yeah. I love that. And I was just telling someone, because I think it's easy on the outside to see a name or a title and think you understand, because I did a complete rebrand and I took my middle name off. And I was explaining to somebody, when you look at a name, there's a story behind it. And you always got to ask the story because it's not always what we perceive it to be. Because someone could probably see my name and say, oh, she got a divorce. Or they could see like, what's going on? You're disconnecting from certain things. And I had to give the breakdown, like who you thought I was 10 years ago. And who I am today and who I'll be in the future, like this is an evolution. But Marie, my middle name, that's who I was born to be. That's who God created me to be in the depths of that. It's a biblical name. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there it is right there. Tied it right in. I think the greatest thing about the name, though, at first it seemed like kind of like a burden, like, oh, everyone's thinking I'm from But and then now that it, obviously I've had this name forever, but then I started realizing it opens conversation for mm-hmm. me to tell you where I'm from. And outside of that, I think a lot of people, they don't know about Milwaukee or there's not a lot of light on Milwaukee. So it's like a great opportunity for me to hit them with the like, uh, right. you know, like <laughs> you know, they're from Milwaukee. And then they, well, where's, you know, a lot of people, where's that? What's that? You know, now with the Bucks being the champs, right. you know, once they won the championship, I said Milwaukee, people were like Giannis. Like, right. It was the first time like in history <laughs> that people like had an association or knew where Milwaukee was, which was great. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's been really dope because of that because now I get to, like, flaunt the Milwaukee and flex the Milwaukee thing, you know? Right. And it's, for me, it's always been, like, a badge of honor to be from Milwaukee and not from, I don't want to be from L.A. and New York. No shots to them, but, like, mm-hmm. everybody's from there. Mm-hmm. Everybody's from the big cities. Like, I like to be from the, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's right. like the brand that not everybody's wearing, but when people see you with it wearing, they're, oh, that's dope. Right. That's what I, that's what I like about Milwaukee. Let's talk about that because I looking at your resume and I really try not to talk about the resume on here because it speaks for itself. I would have assumed you would have left the state and built a new life and kept, you know, growing your brand and your business. What made you say I'm going to stay in Wisconsin, at least so far in your career? Man, I mean, so far, I mean, I'm heavy, heavy. The only reason why like so I, I temporarily moved to L.A. for like. A year and a half, but that was because I was a creative director on Ski TV, so I had to be there. Mm-hmm. But it was always like a short-term thing. Like, I just went for the show, and then when I was done, came back, moved to Atlanta for uh, two years. Again, it was all for a purpose. Uh, t- 
T.I. had just opened the Hustle Gang portion of, of Grand Hustle, and he needed me there basically every day to just film. He had like nine or ten artists. So mm-hmm. it was like, yo, I got 50 videos. Can you just come down here for, uh, you know, whatever? And I was in right. a position where I was like, I'm just going to move down there for like a year or two, mm-hmm. kind of take care of that, focus 100% on that. And then I came back. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't know. I mean, it's just it, no matter which way you kind of – Every time I leave, when I come back, it's like, you know, you feel like you get a big hug at the airport <laughs> from the city. I don't know. It's just like my heart's here. My my family's here. Mm-hmm. I'm real big on family. My wife, real big on family. We're all very family oriented. Like for me, at the end of the day, I'd, I'll sacrifice a little bit of success, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. for family. Because at the end of the day, like. The work's going to be there. The way I work and how hard I network and all that stuff is going to compensate for the fact that I don't live in these cities. Mm. So it's just like balance, you know? Right. Okay, so if I want to live in Milwaukee, that means I have to network a couple more hours a day. That's Mm -hmm. cool. Like, I'll make that sacrifice. Right. Because for me, too, you know, the family is a lot of my motivation. Mm -hmm. So being around them, too, it keeps that that motivation, you know what I'm saying? I don't really need a lot of motivation, but the motivation I do have is is for my family just like that that man role of like I got to hold it down for the family. Mm-hmm. Is like a lot of my motivation just in life in general and everything, music, every just everything I do is is like that that being making sure the family's straight. Right. You know, even if they are straight, making sure they're going to be always straight. Right. That that's always in the back of my mind. So having family around me all the time keeps that like front and center for me mm-hmm. you know and i just hone that and that's that's how i keep it moving even by living in milwaukee because no one believes i live here they're like no <laughs> you live in la there's no way you work this much how right. are you in la every other week like there's a million video guys here i'm like yo i must be doing something right right you know so. let's talk about that though because you're responsive you're present and you're elevating it seems from the outside you're always elevating taking it to the next level with your creativity what does your daily or weekly grind look like for you to be able to have family and also have how you define success in your business? I've really been, it's crazy because once I had a kid, like I really had to like nail this work-life balance thing. And ironically relationships and the grind I did when I was young and single and had all the time in the world, like I would sacrifice going out. I would sacrifice all these things. You hear this a lot, like don't go out, don't go, but I would go out, but I would just limit it. If I went out on a Friday, I made sure that Saturday I was, I was going hard, you know what I'm saying? And if I went out Sunday, the next day I'd make sure, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just the balance of it. It's not that you have to sacrifice everything in your life, but if you're going to do the fun, you got to go hard too. the same way you went out and, partied all night you gotta go the next day and network all day right you know to make up for it and i mean that's that's really the the sacrifice in the early years is paying off now mm. like relationships of, of people that i've met in my early 20s are paying off in my 30s now you know so it's like you know if you i always say like you throw 15 16 seeds in the ground they're not gonna grow the next day mm-hmm. one of them might grow real fast boom you got a tree you know in a year the mm. other one might take 20 years but that's going to be the craziest biggest tree you've ever seen in your yard so that's the best analogy i can give like i have relationships now that are developing you know and turning into things that i met people from 10 years ago wow but their situations changed i've elevated now we now we make sense right when i met them it was just an idea hey bro i'd love to work with you uh but i'm trying to get some things together myself i'm like okay bet here's my contact let's stay in touch social media is the greatest because Mm -hmm. that you can actually kind of like just peek in without having to call them or check you to see oh what are they doing 
Oh, they got a little movie going on? Okay, bet. Let me hit him. Yo, hey, you remember how we talked? Boom, boom, boom. I got you on the movie thing. I just did a bunch of movies. Oh, you did? I thought you just did music videos. No, I've been elevating. I'm doing movies now. Okay, bet. I got something for you. Now, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. six years later, that situation makes sense for them and for me. Right. So I always tell people, like, people are like, man, we got to work. We got to work. We got to work. I said, bro, I'm always working. So when the situation makes sense, we don't need to force to work together just so that we can... I said, like, just stay in touch. Right. And when something makes sense, hit me. And if something makes sense on my side, trust me, that's where my follow-up game is crazy. (laughs) I literally write down, I have a list of of names in my notes right now Mm -hmm. of people when I should hit them up. Mm. Three months, one month, a year, things like that. Because I see their situation. They see mine. They want to work. But I know there's nothing right now that, that makes sense. But give them six months. Give them a year. Follow up, follow up. And I go through my notes every day potential you know six month people year people mm-hmm. week people you know stuff like that like one week one day all that stuff so i mean that's literally the amount of intensity when it comes to my networking is is a lot of the reason why i am where i'm at it's, right. it's literally i'm so analytical about how i contact people and i maintain relationships too you know like the guy you met three years ago could be your biggest client in five years right so if you just put that number in your phone and just leave it alone, oh, because there's nothing today that they can do for me, mm-hmm. that's like very small. Like if you're in this for like a year and that's all you want to be in this industry, cool. Mm-hmm. Just look at people for face value. Right. If you're really trying to create a career, the stuff you do now in five to ten years from now is what's going to make you make more money and be more successful than you ever done. I'm proof of that. Right. 80% of the relationships I have today are from people I've met ten years ago. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but I my mind is blown because you're a male <laughs> and how detailed you are in this. Where did you learn this? My or- mother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, hey, I've been raised around strong women my whole life. Okay. Very. We, we call my mom the colonel because okay. she's so militant. She wants things to be this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I'm from a Polish background. Okay. So immigrant grandparents, things like that. And the work ethic is just different. Like I never saw my dad growing up because he was always working. I thought that was normal. You know, other kids, dads would be taking him to do this and do that. My dad was never home. You know, he, he get home after dinner. He'd be working in the office late doing, doing his thing. I used to think that was normal. So when I started working, I'm like, yo, 17 hour days is normal. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is like, bro, how do you work this much? I'm like, isn't this how people work? Like it, it wasn't even like a question for me. I thought that was how people worked. Mm -hmm. My grandfather worked like that. All my uncles worked like that. My dad would get home from work and be working on the car, mm-hmm. you know, or, or fixing something at the house or doing like it was nonstop. And right. he's still like that. My dad's 70 years old and literally still <laughs> gets done working to go work, do something else. He's just it's a different kind of work. He's in the garage fixing something, fixing the lawnmower after he's done doing his job. Then he goes, doesn't it's like, that's just how we work. Right. So that was like a norm, okay. you know? So for most people, how do you work like this? And I'm like, it doesn't seem like a big deal to me. This mm-hmm. just seems like this is what it was. Right. And as a boy, my dad never had to tell me this. I just saw how he worked, you mm-hmm. know? And I think a- as a boy with his father, you just, your dad really don't need to tell you much. And not in my case. Mm-hmm. I just saw it and I was like, that's what's up. That's how you do it. Right. So when I start, I started working illegally when I was 13. I lied and said I was 15, <laughs> signed a thing and was working at a restaurant when I was 13 So because okay. I, I wanted a brand new car when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Saved every single dollar. Everyone was buying Jordans. buying. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. 
why don't you want to buy the new clothes and all this other stuff? I, I was wearing a sweatsuit. We're good. Mm-hmm. Boom. 16 came around. I had cash to buy a car. Right. Everybody else didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. I had, how'd you get that car, bro? You, you, your parents must be rich. Bro, I've been working for three years, dog, stacking. You know, mm-hmm. and you bought those Jordans? I didn't. <laughs> I put that, that, that 200 in the, in the bank and let it sit. And now I got the money to buy a car. Right. So. That's dope. Yeah. You have a rich background. I just hear bits and pieces from this interview and just what I've heard at the the conference. What has been your biggest adversity that you've had to overcome? So for me, I think the biggest thing coming up for me, I've always I've always been surrounded by great people, family, friends and things like that. I think one of the biggest things that kind of was for me coming up was the lack of information and having to, to learn by messing up. Where today there's so much information, I literally like cry inside by how much information is out there now. I'm like, oh man, if if I had this information when I was 13 and 14, I'd have been going crazy because <laughs> I was like mailing record labels, DVDs of my videos and mm-hmm. stuff like to get people's attention. And now all you have to do is like DM somebody, right. you know what I'm saying? It's like, cra- I'm like, yo, I would literally get double XL magazine and look on the credits and like anywhere that they would slip a person's name into something like anything like, Oh, you know, executive so-and-so at Atlanta records. I'd be like, okay, cool. Let me find that dude's name. Where's his office? What's this? And I would call the secretary and act like I was another label. Oh, I'm looking to get in contact with him about this artist, like make up a story so I could get his (laughs) office number and get the address so I could send him demo packages and all that stuff. Now, all you got to do is go online for 20 minutes, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that stuff. You can find everything. Mm -hmm. So I think, and I made so many mistakes and Mm -hmm. and wasted so much time, so much money. But I mean, obviously that was the, just the way to do it, you know? And I mean, there is good in that too. That mm-hmm. that kind of struggle mm-hmm. makes you appreciate it when you do have the access to this information and these things. And that's why I'm going so crazy now because I'm like, bro, y'all don't even get it. Right. You young kids coming up can get a hold of everybody. Mm-hmm. We had to go places to meet people. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? If I wanted to meet the DJ, I had to go to his set mm-hmm. and try to talk to him while he's sitting there spinning records. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can just literally hit him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, whatever he's on, and get a conversation going. Right. Like, I had to literally convince this person to talk to me, first of all, mm-hmm. while they're working. Then I had to show them my material, you know, print out the things, right. trying to show them videos. The phones didn't, you know, we're, we have flip phones. They weren't playing. <laughs> you couldn't play your video. Couldn't hit YouTube right. on the phone back when I was coming up. So it's like, you know, just the struggle of, of not having the information and not having the access to these things. I mean, it builds character and it builds a crazy work ethic. Right. And then when you get the good, that's what I love about it. Cause now that I have the good, I actually appreciate it. I don't take it for granted. Like, man, I sit every night, literally, you know how everybody sits on their phone at night before they go to bed? Mm-hmm. I contact 10 to 15 people a night, every night, every single night mm-hmm. before I go to bed. I'll reach out, shoot my demo reel to people, start conversations, hit people up every night, every single night. That's a crazy work ethic. Yeah. I mean, I just, but I see the artists that you've worked with too. So you see it on the back and people see, you know, your level that you've tapped into, have you ever been intimidated by the environment? When I think about all the videographers and all of the artists out here, I mean, you're white male dominating in a predominantly black industry. It's it's diversifying more and more, um, I feel, in the last few years. But did you ever feel like you weren't worthy or that you should shy away from the industry because of your skin? 
So the white thing was weird to me because it never seemed like a big deal because I was a hooper, right? <laughs> so, and I went to Milwaukee Public School. So I was like token white dude from the from the rip. Right. Like I was always the only white boy around. Mm-hmm. So it was like almost like a natural thing. Like mm-hmm. when I came into the industry and, and I don't know, it's just always been a rapport with I have a rapport with everyone. Like I'm, I'm a pretty good people person. I would say I, I can, you can put me in a lot of rooms and I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. But just like a natural rapport, uh, I was, I was like the real big with a lot of the, like the Latinos, like my wife's mm-hmm. Puerto Rican. A lot of my best friends are Puerto Rican, Dominican, Cuban, stuff like that. So it's like the, that was the immediate, right? Right. And no matter how much they want to deny it, that's all African blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts out to the Latinos. But, uh, you know, it was just then I started playing basketball in high school, which I've always played basketball my whole life. But, uh, you know, being at Milwaukee Public School, predominantly black, mm-hmm. you know, I was it was me and one other white dude. Right. You know, so it was like I was already around Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, things like that, and, and, and a handful of black people. But then when I started playing basketball in school, it was predominantly black. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, it you know, that never seemed, it never seemed like a big deal to me. But I was also, I was also raised a little bit differently. My, my grandfather was a judge mm-hmm. and the, all the judges, there's black, Latino. So like my, my dad and his, everybody grew up around, like my dad's got, you know, black friends, white friends, Asian right. friends, just because of my grandfather mm-hmm. having such a diverse friend group because he was a judge and all the judges, you know, you go to the, yeah. you see the judges, it's every race. Mm-hmm. So he played my dad grew up playing baseball with like Asian kids and Puerto Rican kids and black kids, which is not very common in Milwaukee. Right. Cause it's just so segregated. segregated. So my dad was in a unique situation. My family's in a u- unique situation to have exposure to, to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think 90% of the reason why people are, you know, are racist and things like that is just lack of education of the other person. They hear one thing on the news or one, one of their neighbors tells them something and they make a blanket statement about something. So my father and our family was just was around different kinds of people from the rip. Mm-hmm. So it was never like, again, it didn't seem weird. Right. It it's didn't your norm. like, you know, a lot of people in, like, why are you the only white guy? Like, how are you this? How are you that? And I'm like, I don't even, it's like crazy when people even, like, well, you even just said it, being a white dude in this industry, like, you just said that, and I was like, dang, I never even really <laughs> think about it like that. I do occasionally, and, like, I honestly, to keep it, keep it real funky with you, like, I know this is, at the end of the day, like, hip-hop specifically, regardless of who's done it and whatever, I mean, it's, it's a black, it's black music. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no denying that. And, you know, I feel fortunate enough to be in this industry and be a white guy in a, in a predominantly black industry. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't take it for granted. I feel like, you know, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support. Oh, and I know my place, you know, at the end of the day, ultimately, you know, and I try to do my best to, to stay true to the culture as as best I can. But I also rely on a lot of black artists to, to give me the culture. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I want, I'm not trying to just come in and be like, here's my ideas. No, I want to, I want to know your ideas. You're the source. Mm -hmm. You're the guy. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's bring what you have to the table so that we can make sure this is authentic. It's just like anything. Like you you, got to talk to the people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't come in trying to, you know, make a little Puerto Rican dish because you watch something on YouTube. You got to talk to mommy. Right. Let mommy show you how to make it. Then you get the real deal. So it's the same thing with the music. I don't 
claim to 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 be you know uh, a savant of the the culture i know i've been around hip-hop my whole life but at the end of the day like who better to tell me than the hip-hop heads you know and the people that actually do this and 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 are a part of this culture and are the culture right so it seems even when i when you came into the studio when i saw you at the conference when i see you show up you show up with this confidence of like you knowing who you are and being very centered where did that come from? Like even to say, you know what, I'm going to reach out to 10 people a night and feel that confident in your work. How, what did that journey look like? I think a lot of it has to do with, again, my mother is like, you could put her in any room and she'll be best friends with half the room by the next hour. You know, like I literally, like I see my mom work a room, like it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And I get that from her just literally loving people mm -hmm. you know and then the rest kind of works itself out but at the end of the day i'm not you know when i network mm -hmm. i'm not networking for for money that's not my first goal mm -hmm. my first goal is to find artists i want to work with so when i hit these 10 artists and these whatever mm -hmm. i'm finding them through explorer page and stuff and i'm checking them out before i contact them i'm not just blanket spamming people like i find right. artists that i actually like the music hit them up listen to a couple of their records tell them like yo i really like this song mm -hmm. you know so it's like the human element is 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 why i feel like i'm so confident because my goal when i talk to people is to kind of get to know them and like i love people mm -hmm. i like i have a million friends I, I know a lot of people like i'm just i like being social i'm a very social person person so that kind of leads the drive mm -hmm. and like the work and stuff like that is like kind of the reason why we continue a relationship obviously because now we'll start working together or whatever but the right. initial like meeting is just me being a person and wanting to meet new people mm -hmm. so that's kind of the drive to it so is again my mother is yeah. she's dope she yeah. needs to be on yeah, here moms listen so it's funny because <laughs> i got philly facts right right and my mom always comes down into my studio while i'm doing it because i actually i built the studio at their house because they had this like perfect room to build it in mm -hmm. and i live right by my parents my house is like a couple blocks away so i go over there to film it and my mom always comes down and she's like i'm gonna start a podcast she's like people need to know and we always say my mom's like a life coach okay whether you want it or not she'll tell you about yourself basically yeah oh wow my mom's i love this yeah she she my mom is literally like she's very direct okay okay if you got light skin don't talk to my mom she will <laughs> she'll have you bleeding by the end of, you gotta have thick skin around my mom those are the best moms yeah though. she don't she don't play and i get a lot of that from her and, and people a lot of times refer to me as like an asshole in a good way because they're like yo if i needed to know exactly what i should be doing mm -hmm. i call philly because he'll literally just straight to the point bro that ain't it you look right. like a bozo cut it out you know what i'm saying like you're not gonna sugarcoat it you're not gonna whatever and it's not me being an asshole but i just the directness of it sometimes people just say it as a joke like oh he'll just he's gonna be ready right if you ask him directly like what he thinks about something and i also say this is just my opinion but i'm like yo this is how i feel and i'll tell you like that ain't it or right. that's that's amazing stop thinking about it that's it go mm -hmm. you know so those are the best friends, though. The friends who just tell you what they think you want to hear. I'm like, move around. Yeah, but some people don't appreciate it. Yeah. So I offend a lot of people like that. Same. And then, Yeah, <laughs> people get offended. But then over time, I've had a lot of people that, like, didn't like me because of how I, I came across at first. And then, uh, like, came back around like, bro, you were the only one that told me what's up. And, like, right. it actually, you were right. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, and I'm like, I know. <laughs> you know, like, not in a, like, cocky, arrogant way, but, like, 
that's how I felt. I wasn't trying to tell you how I'm not trying to lie to you. I mean, I'm sorry that I delivered it, you know, a little aggressively or however you felt. But like at the end of the day, I was only if I didn't care, I wouldn't say anything. That's why I tell people like if I didn't care, I'd just be like, "Mm, whatever. I'm not going to I'm good. I don't need to tell you. If I tell you something like I actually I'm concerned or I care about what's going on. Right. You know, it might just be a little harsh. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) A little little salt on. Yeah, that's it. Um, Why do you believe that you were placed here? What's your purpose? So I think for the most part, art has always been in my family, right? Mm-hmm. My, my father's a commercial artist. I have just, just art. He, my dad was a drummer as well. So music, art and stuff like that has always been here. And I always say like the way that I'm able to capture people uh, puts them into the legacy mode immediately. Whether you're a little artist, big artist, whatever you are, the second I capture you and we put you on the internet and, and you have a, a music video from me or anyone but me specifically, how I feel, I've captured you and you're going to live forever now. Mm. You're literally you're going to live forever. When you're dead and gone, your great-grandkids can go back and look at your music video or the photos that I took of you and all this stuff. I've just made you live forever in the time capsule of a music video you know i've caught captured you at 22 years old so when you're 65 years old you can look back at this and say wow this is you know and i made and and my goal is to make you look as the best possible way you can i make you look cool i said that at the conference right make you look beautiful make you look cool so it's like unfortunately i've i've filmed with a lot of artists that have passed away and their videos of course like Mm -hmm. most of the time go go start running the numbers up right after they pass because people are searching for them people are looking for the information or whatever and the videos pop up so you know the 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 one thing i always feel good about is like okay it's it's unfortunate that person's passed away but what's really nice is for the family friends kids and everything like that like i've captured something that they can always look back on and see see their their parent doing what they love to do you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and that I feel like a little bit of warmth in my heart because of that. I'm like, I was the one that I was able to capture. Like specifically, I just shot a video with, uh, with Keed from YSL Mm -hmm. and it was the last video he ever shot. He passed away, uh, couple months after we filmed the video now the video isn't out yet because the project wasn't completed when he passed so they're figuring out the labels, figuring out what they want to do with it. They're going to bring it out. They just don't know if they're going to fill it in with old records or whatever, because I think he only had like six or seven records done, but I shot the first video off of it. And shortly after he passed away and, you know, that gives me a little bit of like, you know, I guess for his family and his friends and just for the fans in general, like you, he still lives on through this music video. Right. So I've given, I've been able to put it in a position to give more life to him. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and and make him be forever. You know, and obviously he did a lot of things in his life that they'll live on forever, but it's dope that I was able to be a part of that before he passed away. You know, RIP to Keed. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, this is just part of life. People die, you know, Mm -hmm. and the fact that I was able to capture that and, and show him in his prime doing what he loves to do, I feel like that's, that's pretty dope, you know. You're a deep person. I appreciate all of this. It just really, I mean, these conversations always take me on a journey, um, even though it's something that I do, right? It makes me 
curious on um, what's your faith? I mean, have you, do you have a relationship with God? What has that journey looked like? Cause you are just sound across the board. So yeah, I, I was, I was, uh, I was Catholic cause of my grandma. My grandma was like an old Polish lady who like lived in the church. Like she didn't <laughs> play around with church. She was mm-hmm. that lady. Like all my, my dad, my uncles, they were literally like, they went, my dad literally doesn't go to church anymore. Not cause he's not religious. He's like, man, I went to church seven days a week <laughs> until I was 25 years old. He's like, I've done enough church for two lifetimes. He's like, God right. knows who I am. We're good. I don't need to go there anymore. Mm-hmm. So he always jokes around. That's how I was too. So my grandmother was Catholic. I, my, my mom was Lutheran. So Catholic and Lutheran. Um, but I've never really it, like, you know, I, I like the structure of, uh, of church and all that kind of stuff just because that's how I was raised. But like, I have a really dope relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Like the way I talk to God is way not formal. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just be in the mix doing something like, yo, appreciate it. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like right. just, yo, like, you know what I'm saying? Just right. take that time to just to say what's up kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? In a respectful manner, obviously. But I mean, like God's always been something that like, and it's crazy too, like not to flip the subject, but I just came back from Morocco and that's, you know, and I've been in a lot of like Middle Eastern countries too. And there's, you know, you, you see a lot of different religions, right? Right. And I feel like ultimately I've been exposed to a lot of different religions, a lot of different people's faiths. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like having a higher power that you, that you feel is there is just, it's a good thing for humans to right. have some kind of faith, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's this, that, or the other thing. I mean, that's not for me to argue about. I'm, you know, I'm, that's, that's above my pay grade, but <laughs> You know, for me, I know it, it, it's it's made me who I am today, and it just keeps me on in, in check, keeps me in line, and just keeps my head head clear and 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 focused on what I need to do. So, I mean, you know, but I appreciate that too. The other, it's crazy because you see other religions and you see just the practices of them, and then just the structure. And I mean, I feel like structure is such a major positive. For anyone in any kind of thing, you got to create some kind of structure, even in my life, which is crazy. I'm going all over here, going over here, but I have certain things that are like, these are for surely happening. Right. All this other stuff, like I might be having to go here, go here, go here, go here, but there's a couple, five or six things that have to happen in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's like where religion comes in. Right. One of the things I've taken from religion is praying. Right. I don't go to church that much. Ironically, my, my wife's father is a pastor too, but you know, like I'm always gone and I'm always moving around, but there's one thing that's structured in my life when it comes to religion is praying, whether it's just like, yo, appreciate it, you know, or like formally praying like, yo, I really, you know, da 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 da. you know, I just have to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel weird. Like if I miss a day or whatever, like I'm like, oh man, I got to talk to the big guy. <laughs> you know, it's just like talking to my dad. Like I call my dad every day. I got to talk to God every day. Same mm-hmm. thing. So that's it. I take that from the structure of religion. Like I'm not the biggest Lutheran, Catholic, this, that, the other. I, none of that really matters to me, but mm-hmm. the structure of praying does. That's right. what I took from religion. Like making sure I'm praying every day. That's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact right there. <laughs> take that. Take, take, this is a, but Philly facts is, is based around. It's not your facts. It's not their facts. It's my facts. Take from what I tell you, just take a piece of it. You don't have to take my word, word for word. This is what works for me. But if there's something that I say, in my Philly facts that works for you, take 10% of it, take 5% of it. What I'm saying, I'm not telling you how to do things. I'm telling you how I did them. Right. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying to tell you this is the way, this is the best way, the worst way. This is just my way. Right. If something that I say makes sense, take from it and boom. And that's how I've done everything, R- religion included. I don't go to church that often, but I pray every day. 
So that's what I took from church that we pray every day, Mm -hmm. you know, but so I just took what works for me and applied it to my life and it's working great for me. That's dope. I want to close out with this. This is one of my favorite books. I lost it and I found it at the perfect time. It's how to be more tree. And I like this book, half the trees that are in here. I've never heard of, and I have to look up even how to pronounce it. Um, But it all goes back to life lessons. And I always just flip it open just to get feedback on what you think when you hear this tree. So this tree is learn from your past. And I'm going to butcher the name. Corsigen. 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 Corsigen pie. I saw a little accent come out of nowhere out of there. Corsigen. (laughs) She came out of nowhere. The third pronunciation. She got real Caribbean on them. I did. And I do it every time. Y'all already know how I get with these trees. But okay, so this is how the tree is described. Just like people, trees flourish when they learn from their past experiences. One of the most challenging things for a tree is high winds, which blow even stronger on the kind of exposed slopes that the pine tree tends to grow on. If you're the tree at the edge of the pine forest, you're going to get hit by the wind even harder. So trees that grow on forests, fringes adapt to being buffed by each winter's winds by changing how they grow, developing more tapered and a stronger trunk. What do you hear from that? Um, I mean, exactly kind of what I do in life. I, uh, I'd rather take the hard way or the less traveled way or the non-traditional way. Cause I get criticized all the time for like, this is not how you hold the camera. I'm like, well, yeah, this is how I hold the camera. Don't worry about it. I, I, look at the film. It looks good, right? Okay, cool. Who cares? I hold the camera. <laughs> so I'm cool with being on that front line of doing things differently because it, it was by default because I was never taught. Mm-hmm. You know, coming up from Milwaukee, there was really no film industry here. So I was just doing whatever I thought I was supposed to be doing. So I was I was always kind of taking the brunt end of the, the, the stick when I found out how things really worked. And I'd be like, oh, man, I was doing that wrong the whole time. But it still worked for me. Right. So that's kind of the same as the tree being on the edge there. You just you got to you got to be cool with what's going on. You already know it's going to be rough. There's no one to you know, when you're looking out, you're there. Everyone's behind you. There's no one that you can follow. That's how it was coming up for me. I did, there was no one in the city doing what I was doing. So I had no way of, I had no mentorship I had no like what do I do I had no one to call nothing mm-hmm. so I was literally the tree that had everyone behind them and no one in front of them to see how things work so I had to keep changing and adapting and, and growing different ways so that I could make sure I was straight where I was where I was at in that space and I became comfortable in that space mm-hmm. and you eventually grow stronger than all the other trees because you're literally just getting hit over the head constantly. Like I said, learning the hard way. So now I'm like, what are you going to tell me? I've been criticized by everybody. I've been told you can't be from Milwaukee. I've been told you can't be the white guy. I've been told you can't do it with this camera. You know, and I've gone against what everyone says and I've been okay. And I'm at where I'm at now and I'm still growing and still working. And I got a lot of room to grow too. So it's like, but if you, you know, just like this, you got to keep putting yourself in tough situations to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, that tree didn't grow like that because it was in the middle, surrounded by all the trees protecting it. Nah, he went out there in the front line and got beat up by the weather. And now because of that, he's the biggest, strongest tree in the whole thing. But it takes time. Tree takes 20, 30 years to grow. That was dope. That's so much wisdom. I love these interviews. Thank you for your well, time. I man, I super appreciate it, too, because you, you, you asked a lot of different questions than what's normal for me in an interview, too, which is dope, too, because you get a little bit more depth to, to who I am and why I am who I am. So I appreciate that, too.
Yeah, that's the point. I mean, everything that we do is about perspective. I've learned a lot of crazy wild things just because I think differently because my experiences have been differently and I feel like God has used them for the good. So I like to bring people on so that those perspectives can be heard because we don't know. We just assume and oh, social media, yeah. you know, has made it a this lot This is what more. I'm saying. You don't hear, you never <laughs> hear about my religious views on, on social media. I mean, right. that's just not something you di- you dive into occasionally, but nothing like what you've asked. So that's amazing because I, I want that to be out there, but it's hard to present that on social media. So in a podcast format with someone asking questions is an amazing way to do that. Yeah. So I really do appreciate that. Yeah, it's been great. Um, y'all know how we do it here. Invisible Talks, we are bringing on different individuals so that you all can be inspired and have different perspectives about your life and your journey. There is no perfect way to go down a path to achieve your dream, your goals, whatever you have in mind. Uh, we all have a different purpose and we are learning through the journey what that is and what it looks like. So don't be afraid and always like the tree, weather through the storm. Until next time, I'm Tyra Marie. That's all we've got for today's episode here at Podcast Town Studio. These stories, they connect us. The ultimate question, what was the journey like to freedom? Wait, freedom is agreeing to disagree, different perspectives, healing from within, all because life and legacy are complex. We see people everywhere, but do we really see them? Their thoughts, griefs, pain or struggles? To be strong is to heal. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, He will help you catch your breath. Remember to breathe. You're stronger than you think. Make sure you stay connected by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Invisible Talks Podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Tyra Elam.